Joan Hogan, and I'd like to welcome all of you to the Prairie Dac Radio Program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Dac, is unable to be with us today. He and Joni are attending a family wedding in Florida, but they'll be back sometime today. With the weather the way it is, I hope their plane comes in because he's going to be on television tomorrow night, so we hope he'll get in all right. But because he's not here, I'm really pleased to welcome our guest. Our guest is Dr. Cheryl Pento. Dr. Pento joined the South Dakota State University School of Pharmacy's faculty this year. Tomorrow afternoon, she's going to be inducted as the Hoke Family Endowed Professor for Community Pharmacy Practice. Welcome to the program, Dr. Pento. Thank you, Joan, and it's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you here because... Most people are familiar with universities and with endowed chairs. There are not too many endowed professorships at South Dakota State, and you are the first one to have this professorship, and actually it's going to be... um, uh, instituted tomorrow? What is, what's yeah. happening tomorrow? Tell us about that. Yeah, and, and you're right on the money. Endowed positions are very unique and, um, you know, for uh, those that might not know what they essentially are, they're sort of like lifetime achievement awards in academia. And so um, the reason they're unique is you really have to be able to do some groundbreaking work, some transformational work, and, and usually they are awarded to people that have done that, um, you know, in, in the lifetime that they have served within the profession. Um, Within the colleges of pharmacy, they're very, very unique. Um, They've been around in medicine, but pharmacy is relatively new. And and so we need um, members to identify, you know, this this honor and the ability of bringing an endowed professor or an endowed chair into the the profession. And so in this case, the Hoke family was able to um, make this generous donation uh, that caused this this, uh, sort of a snowball effect. And this position was created and I was recruited for this position as a result of it. And so I'm, I'm honored to be here. And so tomorrow, the uh, the community, the university is going to recognize me and, and the Hoke family. Um, and I get a chance to thank them for this opportunity and to share what I'm going to be able to do with the work uh, that I'm going to continue to do here in the state. And you say lifetime achievement. You're a little too young to be getting a lifetime <laughs> achievement. You think of somebody graying, something like me, maybe in your 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. You're a young woman. I'm so proud of you because uh-huh. obviously you have done quite a bit to Thank have you. achieved this. Thank you. So, um, you know, when, when people ask me to describe, you know, who I am and, and um, say a few words about me, I usually start out by saying, you know, I'm a pharmacist by profession, but also researcher and academic. Um, a mom, my daughter would say I'm a mom, and I wear that title really proudly. But um, above all, I'm a Christian, and my faith has uh, really blessed me to be able to do a number of different things in, in the life that I've had up until this point in time. And I really feel that you know, my, my passion lies in patient care and the ability to uh, get someone out of their bed in the morning, even though they're, you know, bogged down with a number of different diseases and, and, and challenges, but they're blessed with one life and we want to live it to the fullest. And so um, that's what's driven me to do a lot of this transformational work for patient care. And so I, I do feel like the honor um, is amazing, uh, but you're absolutely right. It also gives me the next several decades to continue <laughs> to work and, and make those transformational changes, you know, um, before I retire. Well, that's exciting. And I do know that um, y- the work that you've done is what earned you this professorship, and the work that you've done is in adherence pharmacy. Mm-hmm. What what exactly is adherence pharmacy? That's a very good question, Joan. And um, 
you know, so like I said, I'm extremely passionate about patient care. And so actually for the past several decades, I had worked with uh, a concept that we call medication therapy management or MTM for short. And so MTM is nothing but uh, an opportunity for a pharmacist to sit down with a patient and counsel a patient on their medications and their therapy. Um, if we look at the past several years, we have started to see that there's a a number of patients that are diagnosed with chronic conditions. And while it used to be reserved for you know eight patients 65 and older, we're starting to see even younger patients now in their 30s and 40s getting diagnosed with multiple chronic conditions. Um, and so something like diabetes or high blood pressure or high cholesterol, you're required to take a number of different medications. And any sort of change, as small as it can be, uh, is challenging. And you have to remember to take, you know in this case, your medication. And you need to be able to uh, remember to take all those medications, let's say if you have four or five chronic conditions that you know can put you up to four or five different medications or more. And a lot of times what we notice is patients forget to take the medications or they may take a medication, experience a side effect and don't know really what to do about it. Um, and so we started looking at the impact of some of the services that we're providing in, in pharmacies. And what we realized was where medication therapy management, when a pharmacist sits down and talks to a patient, can really have a great impact. Patients were, you know, improving their clinical outcomes. They were staying outside the hospital. They were, you know, leading very productive lives. We were still not able to impact medication non-adherence. So patients were still continuing to be non-adherent. And we know if they take the medications, they can actually get better and lead more fuller lives. And so we said, why don't we investigate what the problem is. I'm going to cut you off right there. Okay. We're going to investigate the problem and it's for uh, patients to adhere to taking the pharmacy, the, 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 medication. the medications that they should be taking. Curious to know about this, but we're going to take our first break and we'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. At the outset, I mentioned Dr. Holm has been attending a family wedding in Florida. He's due back today in this beautiful weather. Hope he's okay because he will be on his uh, television show tomorrow night. Tomorrow night he's going to talk about what happens in the ICU and also what is a hospitalist. A hospitalist is a type of physician that only works in a hospital. That's kind of clever with the name hospitalist, but he'll be talking about that. That's on his television show that's on South Dakota Public Television at 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. But today, with Dr. Holm not here, I'm so pleased to welcome Dr. Cheryl Pento. Dr. Panto has been here since April, I think, right? Yes, that's correct. And she is being, tomorrow, the uh, Hoke Family Endowed Professorship will be established at South Dakota State, and there will be quite a ceremony honoring you and honoring the Hoke family. Uh, have you met any of them yet? Not yet. I'm oh. looking forward to meeting them. Well, good. And that ceremony will take place tomorrow afternoon, I believe, yes, on campus. Yes, that's correct. Did you move here with a family? I forgot to ask you that. I did. Okay. I did. So my husband's here and, and my daughter. I have a 12-year-old daughter, Kara, and uh, she'll be there tomorrow at the ceremony. And my mom is actually visiting me as well, so she'll be here. Oh, that's got to be exciting yeah. for her. It is. Yeah. It is. is she She's at home in, in India? or is she Yeah, well, she lives back in India. She and does. And so, okay. yeah, she is visiting me from Bombay, India. And uh, my dad passed away last year, so oh. he will certainly be there in spirit. He will. He will. <laughs> well, that's an exciting day for you tomorrow. And it was nice of you to take the time today in this busy hobo week. 
Hobo, you, this is your first Hobo Day, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, it gets a little crazy, <laughs> but it's a fun time, and uh, lots of things going on, and it's exciting for students. We have a granddaughter who's a senior in high school, and oh. she's coming in, and she's just about sure she's going to go to South Dakota State, so I'm doing everything Excellent. to... To get her convinced that this is it. So she'll be here for Hobo Day. We hope we get her. But back to you. And you were talking about Adherence Pharmacy, Mm -hmm. which is a way to have people to adhere and take the medicines they're supposed to take. Absolutely. So what research have you done that that helped this? Absolutely. So so what we did was we started looking at what was the problem, right? And so we found that medication non-adherence is a multifaceted problem. Patients forget to take their medications because of a large number of reasons. Some patients don't take it because they don't remember to take it. Others don't take it because they are stuck in their homes in, in a, on a cold winter day and they have to <laughs> dig themselves out and make that trip to the pharmacy. Others don't make it because if they're taking five different medications, that means they're taking at least five trips to the pharmacy, and that's an awful lot of trips to the pharmacy. So what they typically do is they will make the first trip, and then they wait till the second or the third medication runs out, and then combine you know, one trip and then get two medications filled at once. But in the process, they're out of their medic- at least the second medication right, for a few days. And so we said, you know, these are valid concerns that our patients are presenting us with, valid barriers. Why can't we come up with solutions that target these barriers? So the concept of adherence pharmacy brings together services that target some of these barriers. So for example, we can uh, do medication synchronization, which is synchronizing patients' medications so that they don't have to take five or 12 trips to the pharmacy in a month. We can get them synchronized such that they come to the pharmacy once a month and get all medications filled at that one point. That makes sense. Doesn't it really it? does. It's Doesn't a simple it? thing, Ex- but it makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah. The second uh, aspect to this is where patients a lot of times have medications dispensed in pill vials or pill bottles. Now, if you look at a pill bottle and you've got like 30-day supply and you're taking two medications per day, that's 60 pills, right? If you took your pill in the morning and you really now it's afternoon and you don't remember whether you actually did take it today or whether it was yesterday or the week before, what do you do? Well, you go to the, the medicine cabinet, get that pill bottle out, and you try to you know guess from looking at it. But you can't you because can't. there's a ton of pills in there, right? So there's something called adherence packaging, and it's this this blister card or a blister c- pack. And you know, for for women, a lot of us have been taking birth control pills with those those pill the packs. The little blister that, packs. Yes, blister sure. packs. Same concept, except the pack is a bit bigger, so that you can fill m- multiple medications as opposed to the one pill that you would get on a month you know monthly basis if you would have your um, birth control pill pack. Um, and so in this case, it's organized for you, and you can actually. Uh, tear out the blister for the morning dose and you've taken all your medication. So now when you go back in the afternoon and you're really trying to think whether you've taken the medication or not, you can actually look and see whether it's it's there or, or it's gone. take it. Yes. Ah. So it helps with people who are cha- you know challenged with remembering to take the medications and it actually prevents a much bigger problem. We used to see patients who would forget and make that guesstimate, if you may, um, taking more pills than needed. And so now there's an overdose problem and they're in the ER or the hospital hospital because they have overdosed on a medication. And so we don't want to do that. That really impedes the quality of life. Uh, So the adherence pharmacy brings together adherence packaging, refill synchronization, delivering medications to patients who are leading busy lives, you know, harvest season's up now. And and there's, you know, my You have a farmer, if he's out working the fields, he's not going to remember his meds. My great grandfather, you know, that's a perfect example. He was way too busy to be worried about his health. And, you know, he had, he had 
you had a crap to, to bring in. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and so, exactly. And so I think one of those um, issues is, you know, how can we facilitate the care for our patients that really need the care and want to take the medications, but just can because of living their life. And, and so uh, delivering medications. And then one of the biggest aspects that we found was there were patients that really wanted to have control of their lives. So when it came to knowing about everything else, they, they knew exactly what to do and where to go. And if somebody asked them a question about, you know, what grain to pick or, you know, where they needed to go, they would have an answer to it. But when it came to their medications, they really felt like they had no clue. And so we wanted to empower patients. And medication therapy management empowers a patient. It tells the patient what what they're taking, when they're taking the medication, why they should take the medication, and what if they experience a side effect. There's a number of side effects that have very simple solutions that patients very often don't know or are not told about. So for example, if a patient is taking a medication and starts experiencing a very unpleasant side effect, let's say diarrhea, and now they just that's very unpleasant. They don't want to take their medication anymore. You know, they, they want a solution to it, but oftentimes they don't have a solution. So what they decide to do is stop taking either that medication or they decide, I'm not going to take any of my pills because I really don't know what's causing this problem, but I really don't want to have this problem anymore. Well, sitting down with the pharmacist, the pharmacist is able to tell you, you know, maybe just take this medication with a granola bar and that, that side effect that you're experiencing can go away. It's a simple solution. But when patients don't know the solution, we see medication non-adherence. So again, sitting down with the pharmacist to either get uh, you know, a better understanding and empower the patient on their medications and therapy is found to be extremely, extremely impactful. So now we took this concept, put it into practice, and we did some research surrounding this. And what we found was when patients come to the adherence pharmacy, the medication adherence rates improved by 90%. Did you say 90? 90% improvement for adherence. Yes. That's and amazing. It is. That is really something. It is. And and not only does it improve medication adherence, there is a snowball effect. So now we start seeing patients, because they're adherent, they're starting to be more productive. They're starting to be able to live fuller lives. We're starting to see that their quality of life has improved. They're no longer depressed. They're no longer uh, unable to climb up a flight of stairs or go out and garden or you know do things that they would love to do on a regular basis. They're staying out of the hospital. Um, they're staying out of the ER. So they're not spending money out of their pockets by spending you know two or three days in the hospital. Uh, so there's things that can be prevented as a result of adherence pharmacy. And so this is something that we were really proud to not only create as a concept, but putting it into practice and seeing the result of it has been very gratifying to us as well. Well, I'm curious to know how you can put that into practice in Brookings. We're going to take our next break. Again, my guest is Dr. Cheryl Pento, who is a pharmacist at South Dakota State University. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. As I said at the outset, Dr. Holm is attending a family wedding. He's going to be back today. But in his absence, we have Dr. Cheryl Pento, who is a new faculty member. She came in April to South Dakota State University. Tomorrow, she's going to be honored as the, uh, she will be inducted as the Hope Family Endowed Professor of Community Pharmacy Practice. Very proud of you. And normally, you. as... As Dr. Penno said, this is usually a lifetime achievement. She's too young for a lifetime achievement, but she has achieved a lifetime of work with this adherence pharmacy. I'm curious now, you talked about the research and what you discovered would work. 
Have you thoughts of setting this up in Brookings, or have you set it up in communities where it actually did work? Could you Absolutely. tell us about that? Absolutely. So our first adherence pharmacy um, opened in 2010, 2011 in uh, Toledo, Ohio. We worked with a regional health system, so similar to like your Avera, the Sanford, or Rapid City Regional. Um, there was a regional healthcare system in Ohio that we worked with. Um, there was a community pharmacy in town that we actually partnered with as well, because the community pharmacy then open up its doors and and that's where we measured the success and since then um, I've actually been invited to speak and and be a keynote speaker at various venues and events and that's really uh, caused or garnered a lot of interest and so now we're seeing multiple adherence pharmacy versions pop up across the country in different parts of the country actually and they're reporting similar success I actually just got back from Boston where I was speaking at the National Community Pharmacists Association um, to pretty much a packed house and one one of the things that was very interesting was how many people after my talk came up to me and said that they are actually implementing aspects of adherence pharmacy <laughs> or want to um, expand to adherence pharmacy. And, and it ranged from uh, people up in Utah, Seattle, to down in Georgia as well. And so we'll see you more. You're hitting the whole country. We are. We right, are. right. Well, you're going to be responsible for reshaping the community practice program at the College of Pharmacy because mm -hmm. they do have a community practice program. You're going to reshape it. What do you think this will entail? Absolutely. So before I got here, um, I spent about 15 years in Ohio, and I was the division head for health outcomes and socioeconomic sciences. So I led a, an entire division within the college, um, but I also was the director of a center for pharmaceutical and outcomes research. And so uh, for the past uh, two and a half, three decades, my role has been to really do multiple things. So apart from expanding community practice, I've actually worked with um, creating and building various uh, programs for students. You know, I strongly believe that if you want to change and shape practice, not only do we have to, you know, help people within the community change, and that includes practitioners, patients, payers, but we also need to empower the next generation of practitioners, and that's why I'm in academia. And so my role at SDSU is going to be to help build some of these uh, creative programs uh, for our students to be able to then learn some of, the, uh, some of these innovative techniques so that they can go out and practice, to be able to work with state departments, physician practices, you know, various people across the state to be able to take these concepts and many more like this and put them into practice. And uh, to that effect, we've actually even begun working with the South Dakota Department of Health. Uh, in fact, again, you know, I'm going to um, reaffirm what I said earlier with the fact that, you know, I feel like my faith has played a very important role in my life, both personal and professional. And I think one of the things that's um, happened was in the very first week that I was here, I was on a phone call with uh, the South Dakota Department of Health. It was just a webinar, but they were working on looking at some ideas what, in terms of what they could do. So I, what, one of the things that I learned was they, the Department of Health here is very interested in making some uh, groundbreaking changes for the, the participants that they serve, which is people in the state. and. Some of the things that I had shared with them that was of interest to them. And so we have now embarked on a five-year plan oh. to um, work on a project that's going to reshape the community practice movement within the state. And we actually begin this month, and it will be uh, moving forward for the next five years, such that at the end of five years, we would have developed statewide programs uh, within the community that would really help improve patient outcomes and uh, really give practitioners the ability to do the things that they are most passionate about doing and then comes to patient care. 
Wow, that sounds fascinating. So you really jumped right in in April and met the Department of Health and got organized with that. I'm curious now for a basic pharmacy. You know, we we have a number of pharmacies in town. How will this impact just a normal pharmacy? Are they going to be moved out or are they going to be embracing this? How how will this work? Absolutely, absolutely. So the the desire to help patient care, you know, traverses across practitioners as well. And so when you think of practice models that currently exist, community pharmacy is a very strong practice model and and a very pivotal place to make a change. And so when I say a change, our pharmacists and community are doing some amazing things. Um, And already from what I've seen within South Dakota, there's a lot of different pharmacies that are doing some very unique things. Um, What they might need is resources to expand what they're currently working on, or maybe they need uh, assistance in clearing up workflow so that gives them more opportunities to work with patient care and expand their business model. And so the first year, that's exactly what we'll be doing. Uh, We'll be reaching out to community pharmacists to get a sense of what works best within their pharmacy. What would they like to see in the next five years? And then work with them over the period of time to bring the resources to them so that if, if, let's say, their priority is to expand their business to be able to then for patients, we want to be able to empower them to do that. Um, And so I see this as a great opportunity for community pharmacists to be able to take things that they've been probably thinking of for several years um, and be able to give them the tools that they need to be able to then put those thoughts into practice so that they can improve patient care. Wow, sounds really exciting. I know um, during one of the breaks, Bob was asking about um, compounding pharmacy. Totally different topic, I know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I had heard about compounding. I think mm-hmm. there was a pharmacy in town that mm-hmm. did compounding. Maybe mm-hmm. they still do. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us something about that? I'm not sure what Absolutely. that is. Absolutely. So, um, you know, years ago, compounding pharmacy was was the only thing that we knew, right? I mean, that's how you got medications. They were compounded. Uh, the pharmacist was an apothecary, and that's really where everything began. Um, things have certainly changed since then. And so today, what you see in a community pharmacy model is your, um, you know, the, the counter and the pharmacist behind the scenes, and very few of them are actually compounding. However, for co- pharmacists that are interested in compounding pharmacy, there's a wide variety of things that they could do. There's an area of specialty pharmacy where now there's specialized medications that can be compounded and for pharmacists that are essentially looking into the world of compounding and to expand their business model there's no better time than today because there's a number of disease states that um, patients are now getting diagnosed with that need specialized treatment that conventional therapy may not be able to offer them and that's where compounding pharmacy can play a huge role and a compounding pharmacist can really target and create compounds or medications that can really help um, meet the needs of patients that conventional medication may not be able to, you know, treat. And so that's really that next phase for compounding pharmacy and where we can take it. Okay. Well, it's very helpful for them. Well, we're due to take our final break. Uh, Any questions you might have, you can give us a call at 692-1430. We're discussing about what is new in pharmacy today. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. As I mentioned at the outset, Dr. Holm is out of town today. He'll be back tomorrow. If you're a fan of his TV show, it'll be on tomorrow night. Also, uh, his program tomorrow night will be talking about what happens in the ICU and what is a hospitalist. I also wanted to mention, and this has nothing to do with pharmacy, but I do know that um, Dr. Holm has written a book, which he's talked quite a bit about, Life's Final Season. And Dr. Holm has been 
traveling around many places signing books and he's going to have a book signing on October let me think October 25th at the um, Brookings Health System gift shop now for those old-fashioned people like me basically it's the hospital gift shop it's the Brookings Health System gift shop I went there yesterday because I thought I can't tell people about it if I haven't been in there I I took the tour of the hospital towards the back of the hospital when it was first built. I was so impressed. But I haven't been in the front door. What had been the front door, it's not, I don't know what the front door is anymore, but what had been the front door for all of us old farts who live here, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, walked in there. It's beautiful. You've got to get over to the hospital and see mm-hmm. it. Added to that is one of the finest gift stores in Brookings. They really have a great selection there. It's a fine bookstore, and a, they're going to have a big um, open house, a holiday open house on October 25th and 26th. We hope that you think about it. You can stop in before that, too. But also on the 25th, Dr. Holm will be there from 3 to 5 in the afternoon signing books. I know he'll have some books if you haven't bought it yet. He'll also yes. be there the 26th. Oh, both days? Yep, so what oh, it says here. Well, I got this I from, got uh, it's 25th and 26th from 3 until 5 p.m. both days. Both days. Yep. The man never stops going. Wow. He's amazing. Okay. Wow. Well, in, and I, I he, he kind of caught me last week because I said, I'm really enjoying your book. How far are you? <laughs> I don't. God, he wants to know everything I had to think about. It. I thought, okay, I'm not seeing him today, but by next Wednesday, I better have finished that book. Uh-huh. But it is really good. It's really fascinating. Have you heard about what Not he's been yet, writing but I'm about. I'm going to go okay, get you the book. Might, you might have to find out about it. Well, in his absence, we're talking with Dr. Cheryl Pinto, who is in the School of Pharmacy. She's been here since April. We're happy to have her in Brookings. And I know the School of Pharmacy is thrilled to have her here because she is at the outset of what is happening in pharmacy and what's happening in adherence pharmacy. By adherence, she means people who are willing or adhere to taking their pills. I'm curious, you talked about the packaging and also, I did read up on this on the mm-hmm. on the internet, and mm-hmm. it showed that some of these pharmacies had meeting rooms where mm-hmm. a pharmacist. Could you tell us about that? How did that Absolutely. work? Absolutely. So actually, back in 1990, um, there was um, a, a law that went into effect, um, and as a consequence of that. Uh, pharmacies have a mandate to counsel patients on their medications. Correct. Um, and so, you know, if you remember going to the pharmacy and, and uh, after you pick up your pills, the, the tech always asks you, do you have any questions for the pharmacist? So that was based on that law that went into effect back in 1990. And so as a consequence of that, and as the profession has sort of moved forward, um, I think to your earlier point where I was describing, you know, back in the day, a lot of what we were learning in pharmacy schools was compounding and making medications and dispensing those medications. Today, the the profession has changed so much. So back then, where the degree was a four-year degree, today it's it's a six-year doctoral degree program to earn a degree in, in pharmacy. So if you have a degree in pharmacy, you have a doctoral degree. It, absolutely. You don't have just an undergraduate no, degree. No, Correct. absolutely. It is a doctoral degree. Um, and I- in order to get that doctoral degree, you actually have to learn about medications and therapy and, and what medications contraindicate with what other medications and the consequences 
circumstances associated with that. And so with the changes with uh, within the profession, with more people getting to, or students getting to know the clinical side of you know pharmaceuticals, it became imperative for us to now start using some of those things that we had learned in school in and adapting our practice models to change as we learn different things. And so with the law going into effect, with the fact that a lot of people were now learning to become clinical practitioners, we started seeing pharmacies across the country coming up with private counseling areas. And so these areas are really dedicated for pharmacist-patient interactions. So you can sit down and have a conversation with your pharmacist on your medications and your therapy. One of the things that you know we've found, and I've worked with several physician practice groups over the years, and while my physician colleagues really want to be able to um, help improve and impact patient care, a lot of times they really don't have the time. You know, and I, I've always heard this concern where you know I have 12 and a half to 15 minutes with a patient. I have to get in, hear their problems, be able to uh, identify and assess symptoms, and then come up with a diagnosis, write the script. And that amount of time is just not enough. And so. Um, if we work together and really sort of use the things that we are best trained at doing and passionate about doing, we can actually come up with a practice model that really not only empowers each practitioner, but also helps like improve patient care tremendously. And so in a lot of the, the programs that I've developed with uh, our teams of healthcare practitioners, that's exactly what we've done. So we've let the physician be sort of the center uh, of this, this piece where they are looking at, you know, understanding what's wrong with the patient, diagnosing the patient, and then the handoff to the nursing um, practitioners or nurse practitioners or their nursing colleagues uh, so they can facilitate what the physician then, you know, diagnosed and, 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 and did uh, facilitate medication intake and things like that. Um, and then when the patient is, let's say, diagnosed with a chronic condition and now has to take medications for the rest of their life, there's another handoff to the pa pharmacist where the pharmacist is counseling the patient in those, those uh, in rooms okay. for patient care care uh, enhancement and improvement for a lifetime. Oh, well, it just sounds like a wonderful practice. And I, we have seen the changes. I was actually on the South Dakota Pharmacy Board when those Ooh, changes yeah. came through. Excellent. And it was very nerve-wracking for pharmacists mm -hmm. realizing mm -hmm. now we have to counsel. Yes. But overall, they just they embraced it. Yes. You know, at first they were worried about it, but pharmacists embraced it because they recognized their role in medicine yeah. was was changing, evolving, and Absolutely. becoming so much more a team work. And Dr. Holm will say the same thing. You have to have a team. A doctor can't work alone. You have to have Absolutely. a team. Well, this has been fascinating. I hope we have you back. This I've really enjoyed this program with you, and we hope all of you have too and have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Please follow The Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you so much, Dr. Pento, for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to close with Dr. Holm's weekly reminder. Stay healthy out there, people.